in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, December 26th. Um, as you might hear, I'm battling a little bit of a cold, so I apologize that. But hopefully as we have gotten through the holiday season, everyone's uh, feeling healthy. Hope everyone had a great Christmas if you celebrate Christmas or great holidays. Um, and yeah, we're getting ready to say goodbye to 2018, say hello to 2019. New Year's Day will be, of course, on uh, Tuesday, January 1st. We'll be welcoming 2019. Uh, but before that, for this episode, we wanted, to, we wanted to look back on 2018. And so I invited uh, Brady Clements. He's the district consultant um, here at SCLO. Along with Lisa Schaefer and Laura Sarge, they both work for Center County Library and Historical Museum System. Uh, Laura is the Youth Services and Outreach Librarian for the uh, Center County Library. And Lisa is the uh, Bibliographic bibliographic, uh, Service Assistant for Center County Library. Um, And both have worked in library and with with children for a number of years. and uh, they've done a lot of uh, great uh, work at Center County Library. And I wanted to invite the three of them, along with you know Lisa, Laura, and Brady, to talk about you know the year that was, what happened, what they saw in library in general, and specifically maybe in the libraries that they each work in, uh, library world in general. Uh, we saw a lot of news about public libraries and stuff coming out this year. And then just generally, you know, about books, books that came out this year, movies, uh, entertainment, all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, we want to, as, as everyone does, look back on the year. So hopefully you uh, enjoy this episode as we look back on 2018 with uh, Brady, Lisa, and Laura. So it's a good time, as most people do, to look back on the year that was or will have been, <laughs> or as we get to the point. Um, I guess, Bray, start with you. What have you? What did you notice maybe this year? Um, either trends in libraries, or you know, specifically with the district, anything that st- uh, stuck out to you when you look back on the year? I think the big one that I've noticed, and it's it's not a trend local to us; it's a national trend. We're seeing a really big increase in the use of our digital audiobook collection. Uh, It's become much more convenient than it used to be. The apps are easier to use. Most people at this point who want to have a smartphone, and so you can have it when you're doing laundry or cleaning around the house, or like me, when you're walking or commuting to work in some form. Uh, It's just a great way to make use of reading time that you didn't realize could be reading time before. And we're seeing that reflected in our statistics. Uh, you're seeing that with the increasing prominence of Amazon's Audible for people to use audiobooks that way. Uh, the other thing that you're definitely seeing this year is the 
I don't want to call it the rise of the political book because we've always had political books, but the increasing prominence of political books on the best seller list. Mm-hmm. Bob Woodward's Fear was the big one, but also earlier in the year, Fire and Fury. Uh, a lot of conservative authors have put out books about the administration too, but also one of the biggest titles of the year that you could think of as a political title was the James Patterson, Bill Clinton uh, crossover <laughs> thriller, The President is Missing, um, which stayed on the bestseller list for a while. And at least at SCLO, we purchased over 20 copies of both of those books just to try and keep up with, with demand because all three of those books that I mentioned also saw in advance a lot of publicity, a lot of attention that really helped drive interest in those. And of course, there were quite a few more than that, but those were probably the big three. Um, Laura, Lisa, um, what have you noticed or anything? I think along with digital audiobooks, we've also seen our patrons wanting the physical audiobooks. Just audiobooks in general are still very popular. People always listening on their commute I always listen to audiobooks on my commute into work, so I am definitely one of them. But people really seem to enjoy audiobooks in any shape or form, and I know several people who will come in and just get physical audiobooks and listen to them while they're doing something around the house and, you know, utilizing that time to get a task done, but also multitasking and reading at the same time. So there's definitely audiobooks are a rising trend and people are realizing that yes listening is still reading mm-hmm. Laura? Um, I think <laughs> as, as a youth service librarian yeah. I've noticed a bigger trend in nonfiction going out um, of course there's a big push with STEM in the library world I prefer to call it stream and add in <sighs> art and reading because we do all of that as well um, but I think nonfiction has seen a, a growth from being that sort of dry encyclopedia like you know, collection that we maybe remember and become more of the vibrantly illustrated texts about, you know, popular topics, those high interest topics that are really bringing kids in. And even more uniquely are, you know, focusing on some biographies like Grace Hopper, Queen of Computer Code by Laurie Wilmock. Um, So just some, some unique biographies that are being checked out, a lot of really vibrant images being represented in the nonfiction are really drawing the kids in and and they're taking them out and really experimenting with books that have things that they can do at home with making slime and coding and a lot of really neat activities for them to try. Are there, what are some of the topics that you that are either coming back or or for nonfiction for, for non-fiction. kids? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say I mean the animals are always popular. Yeah, it's yeah. just that the books are really more beautiful to look at. They're, they're much more appealing to pick up and learn about the animals and see the animals. And I think that's what it is, is really the graphics and the photographs are just so appealing that they're drawing them in. And like I said, the unique biographies on you know people that maybe they don't really learn about at school, but once they get into it and they see these different people and what they've done... Um, you know, little the little leaders series with the the bold leaders in Black history was had went out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the coding books, kids are learning a lot about coding and mm-hmm. have really started to get into that with um, the little raspberry and that kind of stuff. So, 
A lot of coding, a lot of slime making, <laughs> a lot of experiments at yeah. home. Oh, that's cool. Um, I wanted to ask each of you uh, one a story that came out this year that drew a lot with for libraries was the the Forbes story about how libraries should be. And, um, I saw I saw even today I read I think it was Publishers Weekly had like top ten stories about libraries and that was like ranked fourth I think. And, and have you noticed any because of such the backlash it received and it seemed like all of a sudden you saw a bunch of stories about people writing love letters almost mm-hmm. to libraries and the like. Um, have you noticed that among either walking your travels in the district or with patrons? Have you noticed um, any resurgence or just a reminder of what libraries do for the for communities? I think so. Yeah. I think our patrons really appreciate what all the library has to offer mm-hmm. and we try to make it visible for them because not everybody knows what all goes into the library what all it has available and I think a lot of times people forget that yes the public library is free (laughs) it is free to get a library card it is free to check out materials I mean yes we might ask you to pay like 20 cents for a copy or maybe a dollar to check out a DVD, which is still cheaper than Redbox because you get it for three days. But there's so many free services. Um, I just saw, I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Penn State was doing a research project about broadband internet access across Pennsylvania. And there's much of Pennsylvania that doesn't have the FCC minimum rate of broadband internet. And that's even including in Center County. And so where people who don't even have broadband internet access at their homes, they can come to the library and get that internet access. Uh, PennDOT does not send you your registration anymore. You have to do it online. You have to print it out from a computer. And a lot of people don't even have printers. Where can you do both things? You can do it at the library. And people definitely come in and appreciate that. They want to use our services because they also need to use our services. And... There is a disconnect, I think, with a portion of the populace that doesn't use libraries and and everything is kind of at their fingertips and at the ready, where the other portion, like, they need those library services because they don't have them. And I think, too, something that was missing in... I mean, there were a lot of things missing in that article, but something (laughs) that was really missing in that article is it's not just about the services. It's about being a community space in a society where there aren't really as many community spaces as there used to be. I mean, you're seeing national trends of fewer people volunteering in the traditional community organizations. You're seeing fewer people going to a church, which was often the center of a community. So what do you have for people who are uninterested in those or who want more than than those options, you're not going to get community from an Amazon store. I mean, you're going to get it here, and you see that in people who want to go to book clubs or, mm-hmm. or a movie club or attend Research Unplugged, or even the people that we see coming in here all the time and 
you suspect that we're the longest social interaction they mm-hmm. get in the course of their day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's something that you can't put a price on yeah. for a library serving the community. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to. You're not expected to spend money on a library. I think, again, with youth services, I have seen people, you know, once they walk through our door saying, like, oh, wow, you do this, you have a Lego club every week, you, you, you do this kind of programming, and... You know, it takes them coming in and, and seeing the kids playing. It takes them coming in and seeing the posters and flyers advertising what we're doing to sort of realize that we are so much more than a room full of books. So we mm-hmm. are that community space, and we are here for education purposes, but also for a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do our, our novel con every year at Center County Library, which um, focuses on showcasing what the library can do to support your fandom. And, you know, it's it's not a fundraiser, it's an awareness builder, and the whole point is to bring people in and show them we are here to help you find resources to support what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, the other thing, I guess, uh, that sort of um, was good for the library was uh, the, the Great American Read took place, mm-hmm. and I know, um, I guess... Thoughts on that and uh, thoughts on the winning <laughs> book, The Kill a Mockingbird, what you um, did, uh, did America pick accurately or, or correctly or whatever, or, or, or how, what were your thoughts on, on the project in general, maybe what was the final decision? Well, my guess was wrong. I think. <laughs> there you go. Um, what did you guess? Pride and Prejudice. Pride I was thinking that would probably okay. be a good shot for winning, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you, if you think about an American read, like a quintessential American mm-hmm. classic, To Kill a Mockingbird is mm-hmm. is it. And it goes hand in hand, I think, with the film. So many people may not have read the book, but they also know the film, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a great adaptation. I did show it for my film discussion group a few years ago, and it was my most well-attended film viewing. I haven't reached the numbers with that since... But it is also a staple in American cinema, and it both the film but also the book, it's iconic. Atticus Finch is iconic, and so is Scout. Mm-hmm. And most, I think probably nine out of ten people would know To Kill a Mockingbird and could mm-hmm. give you a brief summary of what it was about if you asked them. Mm-hmm. It has that nostalgia to mm-hmm. it. I think people, it, it might be the one book that they were assigned in English class that they really actually enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> And there was a number of young adult uh, books that were on the list, or a few, yeah. So, I mean, did you uh, see um, any correlation with patrons getting more interested? I mean, I mean, Harry Potter, I guess, is always going to have interest, but I didn't, like, get interested <laughs> in some of the classics, like C.S. Lewis or anything. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are all, they're always going to be in people's minds. Right. They are, like we said, those iconic books. Mm-hmm. So people know those stories. They enjoy mm-hmm. reading them. But like you said, that, that quintessential American read, I think mm-hmm. I think they voted properly. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we ever judge people's reading. No, 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 never, no. Ever, <laughs> ever. no. Um, It was also nice to see that so many people followed it who mm-hmm. came into the library and were they telling did. us that they were watching it. Oh, have mm-hmm. you watched the latest episode? And they came in with their lists and were requesting all of the books wanting to read the titles uh, of the Great American Read, and they were consistently always out. I ended up partaking in the Constitution Day Center celebration for Constitution Day in September and doing a display on freedom of speech in the First Amendment, 
and highlighting banned books and challenged books. And what I wanted to do was because of the Great American Read was like, oh, let's see how many of them were banned and challenged. Mm-hmm. It took me the longest time to get copies of them because they were always checked out of the library. <laughs> but at least over half of them have been banned or challenged, I will say that, which made me very happy because <laughs> I always like it when books are challenged because it means that they resonate and mean something to people. So. Did you, I guess, uh, looking back, you mentioned a couple of the political books, but were there other books that stand that maybe you thought were challenged today or what books stand out to you um, that maybe you saw on the bestseller list or read personally? Mm-hmm. Not really yeah. you know, anything related to band or challenge, yeah. but I mean, it didn't make quite as big of a splash as I thought it might, but this year saw the release of what's probably going to be the last J.R.R. Tolkien novel, who was on the Great American Read, The Fall of Gondolin, that Mm. came out uh, towards the end of the summer. Um, The last compilation assembling of his papers and works by his son, who is himself 92 years old, so this is probably it, which is a really bittersweet moment for people Mm. like me who've been reading him since they were stereotypically teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll turn to our movie (laughs) expert here. Put me on the spot, Yeah, um, well, your bio, I think, mentioned you hold the Oscar pool or something. (laughs) I do hold an Oscar pool among my co-workers and friends, and most of them will say that is rigged because my best friend has won it five times in a row, but it is not. She's just really good at guessing. Um, what's your question? Well, well I guess what, what, what was the main, what, simple, what was the best film you thought this year? Oh, dear, that's a tough, that uh, is a tough question. There have been so many, yeah. and it's ramping up into awards yeah, season right so now. Maybe so you know, I haven't seen all the great ones. I have seen... I think 13 films this year in the theater, mm. um, not counting on DVD because I always watch whatever we get at the library, yeah. or at least I try. Um, I've seen all of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I've, they're just great to see on screen, and I thought, you know, they're fantastic and just, you know, fun action films. Mm. And mm. But my favorite movie of the year was Paddington 2. Oh, really? I adore Paddington. I even named my cat Marmalade because... (laughs) I call him Marmy, but I named him Marmalade after Paddington Mm. um, because Paddington loves Marmalade. (laughs) The first movie is just so different and from anything that I was expecting, (laughs) and I was utterly charmed by it. Mm -hmm. And then you have Paddington 2, which... I didn't think it could get any better, and <laughs> and I was like, how can they, you know, do another Paddington story, and with the same characters and just not repeat themselves? But they do in such a refreshing way, and continuing the first movie and introducing fantastic new characters. Hugh Grant gives the performance of his career oh, wow. <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> he really does. You have to watch it just for him. And you have to watch the, the credits, too, because that has a, like a scene while it's playing during the credits, which is fantastic. Mm. And it's, it's just charming yeah. and for everyone. You don't have to know anything about Paddington um, to enjoy these movies. Mm. And you'll, be, you'll just feel wonderful after you've watched them. Mm. 
Do you have to have to see the first one? <laughs> you sh- you should. should I, yeah. I think the second movie can stand on its own, but yeah. it does give you background and you get introduced to yeah. all of the characters. So it's good to see the first one, um, but you don't have to. And I think I think the sequel is just even better. And it had a one hundred percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the only movie, I think, this year to get mm. entirely positive reviews, or however they uh, wow. calculate That's... their freshness rating. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I highly recommend Paddington 2. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> highly recommend. <laughs> um, uh, Laura, you, you have noticed, I guess, a trend in young adult um, fiction going into film, I guess. What, um, what have you seen or anything this year that stands out to you? Any... Uh, books or any young adult fiction that um, really resonated do you think with the, with patrons well I think that you know we've we've moved away from you know, dreamy vampire love stories <laughs> um, and uh, even we've moved away from some of the the dystopian fantasy things and we've yeah. really started to see a trend towards those social justice those real mm-hmm. issues a lot of mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, is coming through in the books. I mean, it's it's young adult fiction, so you're almost always going to have a romance and a happy ending, mm-hmm. which maybe is why I like them. I'm not sure. It's it's nice to have a happy ending kind of promised. But I think I think yeah, that's the biggest trend is we we've, mm-hmm. we've moved away from that fantasy element, and there's still fantasy woven in, mm-hmm. but that strictly fantasy into more of understanding mental health um, definitely a huge push in the LGBTQA plus you know movements and just seeing diversity in our characters um, and just really you know deep characters that have the kind of broken characters coming from diverse home situations and and it's just very relatable mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of teens can find themselves in these books or find somebody that they know um, to become maybe a little more empathetic towards situations or people. Um, so yeah, definitely being more socially conscious. Yeah. Um, so a lot less of that, just ooh, yay, fancy, sparkly vampires, yeah. and much more just um, getting to know the people around you is sort of a, a realer situation. Hmm. Do you, Do you think? I mean, is that because young adults don't want to feel like? real or they want to see either themselves or people they know in these yeah I, I definitely yeah. think so I think um, some of the, I mean the, we've also moved towards kind of more horror or mystery because it's almost like they want to give a voice it's not just reflecting the world mm. but looking to change it mm. um, so you know books like The Hate You Give mm. you know are moving towards that social justice and, and being a voice for change mm. and I think that our young people are really rising up and being voices for change they want that social justice um, and they're they're really gravitating towards these books that empower them to do so that's great um i guess uh finally one just maybe look ahead to 2019 um if you have either think something that you're looking forward to that you already know is coming up or something you hope happens in 2019 <laughs> um um do you have something right yeah you well, a goal, I mean, a resolution, even for yourself or in general. <laughs> um, I I've set myself the goal of trying to read all of the Agatha Christie published works, like not next <laughs> year because that's a lot, but yeah. you know, start. <laughs> yeah, so it's been interesting so far to revisit some of them, and I'm yeah. hoping to continue along that line. Mm. 
Um, since we did mention movies, mm-hmm. we are due for the last Star Wars at some point. I don't know <laughs> if they've set a date for that, but if that was next year or mm-hmm. even a little bit into 2020, that would be would be wonderful to see if they can manage to stick the landing after two films that were... Mm-hmm. It divided a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> but will it really be the last or will it be? Not since Disney got it. Yeah. I, I have to voice support for The Last Jedi. I did quite like it. I like yeah, I like the I can't ones. Say, I don't know. I can't say about Solo. I have not watched that yet. No, I didn't like Solo. I have to say, yeah, I wasn't, watch really, it yet. I wasn't really a big fan of that one. <laughs> I'll defend Ryan Johnson because he is a fantastic director and you should totally watch Brick. Is that is an amazing modern take on film noir. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least I don't uh, care. No, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, for next year. Disney. No, it's all right. Well, it's not movies, but it's also uh, Game of Thrones season oh, eight. The true. final yes, season comes yes. out in April, and I look forward to watching how it ends since we still have not gotten book six, The Winds of Winter written, so it'll be interesting to see how the series ends versus how the books will fingers crossed eventually end Mm -hmm. and how um, the creators have decided to tie things up since they've veered off course, because we don't know what George R. R. Martin is thinking (laughs) it'll be really interesting um I look forward to seeing who lives and who dies, who wins the throne at the end, <laughs> and it goes right into our next NovelCon event, which is perfect, so we want to have an Iron Throne for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start working on that. Yes, we need to start working on it. And, uh, Laura, any... Uh, um, I, don't, I just, I adore picture books. I, mm. I'm in the right career. Um, I just really, really adore them, and, you know, it's fun to watch how they have evolved, um where we're not just blatantly pointing out, like, guess what, this person has two moms, and we're going to do a story about that. It's more about the, you know, the the imagery behind it. So, you know, there's pictures of people and just very diverse or different, you know, ethnicities and sexualities and gender roles and things like that being represented in picture books without the story being about it. It's just part of the background. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that happening in books in general, just becoming a part of the everyday. It's not, the story's not about that, but it's there, it's present, so that, again, more people can see themselves in these books. That's great. Well, thank you, you three, for joining me, and uh, happy, uh, hope everyone has a great 2019 <laughs> what's left of 2018 too so um and thank you again for joining great, thank, thank, you. You. thank you so we're saying goodbye to 2018 hopefully hope everyone had a great uh year um i you know we here at slow had a uh, great year and we loved serving you uh, seeing a lot of people in our programs uh, coming through our doors taking out material so thank you again we love serving this community we are honored to serve this community thank you for a great 2018 and we are so much looking forward to 2019 we have a lot of exciting things scheduled and planned that we'll be announcing soon so uh, stay tuned for our, um, you know listen to this podcast check out our website sclolibrary.org social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. But um, but we're not quite done yet with 2018. We have a couple of things going on. Uh, on first night, New Year's Eve, 
Uh, uh, Skloll has a few events, most notably two performances by Mr. Music, Lenny Tepsik, uh, 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. Uh, they're free. Uh, you don't need a first night button, but we encourage you to get a first night button because there are so many other great activities. Uh, if you had a chance to listen to last week's episode of the podcast, I had a conversation with Lenny. It was a great conversation. If you didn't get to hear it, uh, you can go to the podcast website or wherever you get your podcast. It, it should be on there. Uh, it's just a great conversation as you get ready to see him perform during first night. <clears throat> and Sklow will be co- closing early New Year's Eve. He'll be closing at 6 p.m. And then also closed on New Year's Day, uh, January 1st, and will be reopening regular regular hours, 9 a.m. on Wednesday, January 2nd. And then a couple other things as we get into 2019, Center County Reads, again, of uh, Vulture uh, by Katie Fallon is a 2019 Center County Reads selection, so we have plenty of copies. Uh, hopefully you get to check out that book. Um, events for that will be starting at the end of January. Uh, the winter calendars, at least for the children's department, is, are out. Uh, you can pick up a copy or check out the website. It has everything going on in the children's department between January and April. The adult calendar should be out soon, too. And the Write your, and Illustrate Your Own Book Contest in the children's department. Submissions, uh, kids can start submitting their work on January 2nd. So that will be coming up, so hopefully uh, kids uh, can get involved with that. That's a great contest. Uh, there is a writing work, workshop for that on um, on February 9th with Ann Bergevin for people who are interested. But yeah, check, uh, the website again has all the information about and how to enter and stuff against uh, the 35th annual Write and Illustrate Your Own Book Contest. Uh, submissions can, will be start, you can start submitting work January 2nd, and the deadline is Tuesday, March 12th. So again, uh, website, schoollibrary.org, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and this podcast. Again, thank you for a great 2018. Uh, next time you'll hear me, it'll be, we'll be in 2019. We're looking forward. We have, again, some exciting things happening in 2019, so stay tuned for that. So happy new year, and until next time, we hope to see you at Sklow Library.